This is a Federal News Network podcast. The civilian and defense sides of the government have taken a big step together to move the Defense Department's innovative, non-traditional contractors to the mainstream of federal contracting. It takes the form of a deal between the Defense Innovation Unit and the General Services Administration. GSA is in the midst of moving about a dozen such companies from DIU's prototype roster to the GSA Multiple Awards Schedules Program. At the ACT-IAC Emerging Technology Conference in Cambridge, Maryland, Federal News Network's Tom Temin got the details from the GSA's Senior Technology Advisor, Sam Navarro. We talked about today about enhancing digital transformation and innovation in the government space. One of the things we want to do is we want to take good ideas and scale them across government. So the Defense Innovation Unit's been a key partner now to bring in innovative small companies and show that they have a proof of concept to add value within the defense space. So we just inked a brand new deal to make sure that those vendors and their capabilities are available for utilization by our civilian counterparts. And so we're excited to fast lane them on the schedule as fast as we can so that their capabilities are available for civilian. So these are vendors that have come through DIU, perhaps on an OTA, now graduating them, if you will, to regular federal acquisition through the schedules? Yes, and as we know, the OTAs have their constraints, and the constraints are therefore prototyping, proof of concept kind of work. So when you want to scale that work to the enterprise, it's valuable if they're on a government-wide solution, and that's the value we want to bring to the table. These are companies that are not otherwise on the schedules or on any, say, GWAC that you might know of. These are absolutely new to the federal market through DIU. Yes, that is correct. And we could fast lane them. They have a sponsor, so we could get them on a lot faster. We're looking at at least from 15, anywhere to 30 days, getting them on schedule so they're readily available for government competition. How many companies are we talking about here? Right now, we're looking at about a dozen, which DIU is working with, but they are constantly recruiting Mm -hmm. innovative companies, and our objective is as soon as they prove uh, value to the government, we onboard them on our side to the schedule. Well, give us a couple of examples. I mean, can you name a couple of them and what it is they have brought to DIU? Yes, and precisely for not going into uh, uh, endorsements, I I will not say specifically which uh, companies, but we we are looking at six different focus areas. Area in particular is AI and ML, and in the area of robotics, there's been a lot of use cases where they've shown innovation within the DOD space. And when we think about AI, ML, and, and robotics, you know, we just had the CTO of DHS here today, and there's a lot of concepts for Customs and Border Patrol or keeping the federal officers safe from different scenarios where robotics can be applied in a comprehensive manner. Yeah, so in some ways the mission of, in that sense, of the Defense Department looked like the mission of DHS in terms of tactics and requirements and field work and so on. Precisely. When you say these companies then have a sponsor, that would be the DIU. Yes, yes. And uh, Mr. Brown, who's in charge of the DIU, signed uh, an agreement with Laura Stanton who's the Associate Commissioner for ITC, and they have set the critical metrics for delivering results for the government. So they want to make sure that within six focus areas, we get uh, vendors in the, the, the emerging technology space that citizen that citizen servicing uh, agencies can leverage and, and benefit from as well. And how do we ensure that just coming onto the schedule doesn't become a valley of death for them? There's 50,000 vendors on the schedules. 
you're adding 12 more into the ocean. Is there a way of, again, you can't promulgate certain companies, you just, you're the referee, but how will anyone know about them? Great question. So uh, GSA has uh, an office of customer and suppliers uh, engagement. And so we're working in collaboration with them to make sure that the use cases that they've been able to apply within the defense space align to the civilian space by engaging agencies. So we're looking at making sure that we're proactive in engaging agencies that have use cases which align to these uh, vendors, not to endorse a particular vendor, but to let them know that we have emerging technology vendors that may be able to meet their need and then compete solicitations among them. And the GSA does operate conferences and training sessions for vendors from time to time, and that helps them work their schedule better, so they'll be able to participate in those? That is correct, and we want to also not only on-ramp them, but educate them, train them on like market research as a service, as a tool that we utilize within the GSA space, so how do they respond to those, and when they respond, making sure we have industry days, reverse industry days for uh, them as well, so that they can show their capabilities to civilian agencies. And just to uh, reiterate, you expect they could be on the schedule within a month or so? Yes, we, we've already actually got about four or five uh, already on board, and though they're already um, looking to compete for solicitations, and we're slowly but surely ramping up to get the last batch of that dozen on board. And just an acquisition question, does that enable DIU to use regular acquisition to buy from them if they want to ramp them up to production scale? Yes, DIU and other uh, entities within DOD. We've kind of heard that same theme within research and engineering and other areas uh, such as uh, software factory uh, solutioning where DOD has a need to scale. Once they find out a use case works, how do they get it applied across the force. And so uh, we're working heavily to make sure that they have that availability on them. Right. And the other thing they're looking for is a, I guess, for lack of a better word, a legal way to be able to buy at scale under the FAR from people they bought not at scale under the OTA authority. Yes. Fair opportunity means fair opportunity. Everyone gets a bite at the apple. So uh, precisely, making sure that they stay within the rules. Uh, And a little closer down to earth, you've been working on supply chain security and supply chain uh, assurance issues through ACT-IAC. Yes, ACT-IAC conducted a survey. And with a lot of the challenges we're seeing in the supply chain, 75% of industry vendors have had some sort of impact because of supply chain challenges. One out of five face challenges with keeping the doors open from those. So the question is, is how do we collaborate with industry to create uh, best business practices, which enables Uh, us to break down barriers, but also keep uh, cyber supply chain risk management um, principles in place. And the output of this will be some kind of a playbook. Yes. Uh, First and foremost, we're doing a Shark Tank this June, June 6th, where we're uh, bringing in folks who have great ideas. And we want to hear what they got to say and and vote on which ones are the best for government utilization. And who votes? Um, We're having sharks from across uh, government and academia. So right now we have Alan Hill who's the senior executive sponsor, and we're cycling in some other uh, sharks for, for June 6th. And uh, so by, by the end of that, we'll have uh, some winners to announce to the broader public. And the playbook comes out by the end of the fiscal, roughly, or so? Yes. Uh, we're, we're breaking up. Well, bottom line, what's the challenge? The challenge is there's a lot of content for cybersecurity practitioners, not a lot of content for acquisition workforce. So the objective is by the end of the fiscal year, release a playbook where we can talk about 
software bill of materials, quality assurance plans, terms and conditions that the acquisition workforce could place in solicitations, builds on the predictability to industry on what they're going to look for in solicitations when it comes to meeting C-SCRIM needs for the government. Yeah, the software bill of materials, I think, is a particularly difficult case because the term only came into popular parlance a year ago or so, maybe with the presidential executive order, a little more than a year. I think a lot of people are trying to get their arms around what an S-bomb is, what form it takes, and then how you use it in evaluating a vendor or evaluating the product you're getting. And I think a lot of the CORs probably aren't real up on S-bombs either. Correct. And it has a valuable role to play in pre-solicitation, identifying what are the licenses you need and what types of uh, software you need, but even in post, right? And identifying what intellectual property belongs to the government in terms of software and in this new AI world that we live in and what intellectual property still remains with the industry partner. So we're looking at fleshing that out and seeing how that works for for, uh, government and industry in the playbook. And a final question, you mentioned software licensing. There have arisen lately, especially in academia, questions about the need to make sure that your software licensing and contract language for AI in particular have the right elements you need because of particular requirements of AI and who has rights to the training data and all of this. Are you aware of that? Is that something you're working on? At this point in time, it's all on the table. We're, we're vastly aware of different challenges. Um, I think right now it's definitely, from a C-SCRIM perspective, is focusing on security and understanding that the acquisition workforce is part of the team now. It's no longer a cybersecurity practitioner line of field only. It's everyone and all hands on deck, including the acquisition workforce. So like Dave Lattimore said, uh, cybersecurity is no longer the CISO's job. It's all of our jobs, including the acquisition workforce. And we're focusing in on precisely on, on that those aspects is how can we increase security so that these things don't come out of the box with vulnerabilities that we have to deal with later on. GSA Senior Technology Advisor Sam Navarro speaking with Tom at the ACT-IAC Emerging Technology Conference this week in Cambridge, Maryland. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive and subscribe to the Federal Drive at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person, or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.